We welcome you tonight to the house of the Lord again for a Sunday evening service, and it's a blessing to be in God's house in His presence. We're going to start with number 412, 412, no other plea. The opening line says, my faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. What does that mean? Well, some people look back to the church fathers. They think about the creeds or the confessions of the church, and perhaps while they can be sometimes helpful and directive, if you lean on them apart from the Lord or apart from His Word, it's not going to be the means of your salvation or help. And when they think about a plea, it's something that is man-made, something brought up by ourselves. Now, we don't depend on any of that for our salvation, but it's only we trust in the ever-living One, His wounds for me shall plead. Let's stand, sing number 412. seated. That is good singing and praise of the Lord tonight. And let's come now, please, in prayer and just bring our service before the Lord now. Loving Father, 
what rejoicing in our hearts tonight that we can sing this hymn of praise and thanksgiving, a testimony, Lord, and acknowledgement that we do not depend on anything that has been man-made, nothing of ourselves for our everlasting salvation. We know tonight we stand upon redemption ground, upon the ground of the precious shed blood of our Redeemer. And we know that the blood of Christ speaks better things than that of Abel's blood. We know that it's the blood that makes atonement for the soul, and the shedding of Christ's blood has made that atonement for us today. And Lord, we are thankful tonight for it, thankful for that truth, and pray that we might live in the light and joy and peace of that truth every single day, to know our standing in Christ is secure. We are safe. We are free from the bondage of sin. And Lord, we ask tonight that we might walk in that light every day. We might walk in the joy and peace and truth of it, that we will continue to be changed, Lord, every day, to be made more and more like our Lord. We will grow in grace. We will grow in sanctification. We will know the fruit of the Spirit being applied to our life. We will grow in that. And so, Lord, that we might be a testimony to our Lord Jesus, to those that are watching and viewing our lives, whether it's in the family or in the workplace, out in the world as we mingle and have to be a part of this world. And yet, Lord, we know that though in it we are not of that. And we want to be a light of testimony to our neighbors. We're asking, Lord, that we will have the joy of pointing men and women to the Lord Jesus. Father, we're thankful for answering that prayer over the last couple of weeks. We only pray it will be multiplied, that every believer here would pray that prayer earnestly, that we all would be made use of, that we all would be, Lord, servants, ambassadors, evangelists, teachers. Lord, make use of us, we pray, in Your kingdom. We're thankful for those who are in the meeting this morning who heard the Word, those who are unsaved. Lord, bring them to Christ. For everyone in the meeting now tonight, that there would be great blessing from the Scripture. There would be spiritual food for the waiting hearts and that all of us, Lord, would be fed by that bread of heaven, by the manna sent down from our God. And we know that our Savior is the bread of life. Help us, we pray, to understand the deep things of the Scripture. Lord, we need the help of the Spirit to give us understanding. And we pray whether it is in our daily Bible reading, personal study, as we endeavor to dig deeper into the Scripture, 
that we will have understanding. Lord, hear our prayer tonight. Encourage everyone gathered in the meeting, watching online. Bless every one of Your people that we would grow in grace daily and that we would be edified and built up in our most holy faith. And Lord, we ask for blessing upon the sick ones of our congregation again. You know them in detail, Lord, every single one. And we commit them all into Your hand and pray earnestly and purposely for them. Dear Lord, remember our nation today, our land, our leaders. We pray for them that they would be saved. They would be stopped from doing evil works and plans. Remember the persecuted believers across this entire world, that, Lord, they would be blessed and strengthened and helped in their time of persecution and need. And so fill us, we pray, with the joy and the anticipation, the expectation of our Lord's soon return. Keep our eyes heavenward, lifting up our eyes toward the heavens, for our redemption draws nigh. Keep us, we pray, walking each day in that light and joy. So hear us now, Father. Bless us as we continue in our worship, for we pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 153, and we'll stand please again as we worship the Lord.
please turn with me now to Psalm 22. Psalm 22, our congregational reading tonight, and we're reading the first 23 verses of Psalm 22. The opening verse of this psalm, so easily seen to be a messianic word and psalm, the voice of Christ on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but Thou hearest not. In the night season, and I'm not silent, but Thou art holy, O Thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in Thee. They trusted, and Thou didst deliver them. They cried unto Thee, and were delivered. They trusted in Thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that He would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing He delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth unto my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to my help. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. 
In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye seed of Israel. May the Lord bless to our hearts again this solemn psalm that has so much of the suffering Savior involved in it. And we will see how that again parallels with the reading we will have in the gospel a little bit later in the service. I want to welcome you tonight to the Lord's house. Very glad that you are here and in person. If you're visiting tonight, returned again, we want to welcome you in the Lord's name. And uh, we certainly welcome all the visitors who are with us over the internet tonight. We pray the Lord would bless you and encourage your heart, and the word of the Lord would be that blessing, that word in season. The Holy Spirit will take that word and apply it to your heart tonight. In our Port Hope Church, they are concluding the Easter conference with our brother John Wagner. He'll be preaching tonight and finishing that series of messages. And uh, if you were able to enjoy that, either Friday or yesterday, well, the services are also uploaded on their web church website. You could listen to them later on. Please remember our own services in this coming week. On Wednesday night, we have our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30, and everyone is encouraged and welcome to be there. And Thursday night, we have our session and board meeting, monthly meeting, 6 o'clock first of all, and then at 7.30 for the board. Of course, all the men know that time frame by now. And also on Thursday night, there will be the uh, baby shower for uh, Teresa Gianello and uh, baby Augustus, and that will be at 7 o'clock. And all the ladies, uh, young girls, are welcome to come along. It will be held here in the church as well, 7 p.m., this coming Thursday. And then not forgetting the Lord's Day meeting coming up again, our Bible classes at 9.50, and then our regular services at 11 o'clock and 6.30 in the evening. I want to think also in advance, remembering in prayer our upcoming service in May, as we will be having the ministers and elders from all across North America joining here for our prayer time and presbytery meetings. We also want to be much in prayer for the Summer Youth Bible Conference we're holding in the month of August, and uh, we'll certainly want you to be praying for that, for the Lord's blessing on that time. We will sing again to the Lord's praise tonight, number 142, 142, and please let's stand again as we sing.
seated. Now let me ask you please to turn again tonight in your Bibles, first of all to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, and then to Isaiah 52 again. Matthew 27, we're reading from verse 34. We're in the middle, as we pick up this reading, of the Lord has now been crucified, and He is upon the cross. And they gave Him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when He had tasted thereof, He would not drink. To pause there for just a moment, it was a merciful thing that was thought to be done for the Lord here, as they would give him a drug of some kind, a pain reliever. But when he tasted that, he would not drink it, because he endured the suffering of the cross in its totality. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, set up over his head, his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priest, mocking him with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with Him cast the same in His teeth. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried, with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that 
This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran, took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Well, bow please before the Lord now in prayer. Father, we ask, as we come to the Word now, that it will be a blessing to us. Yes, Lord, even such difficult things to read, things that are so full of meaning, Lord, help us, we pray tonight. Grant to me, Lord, I pray, the power of the Holy Spirit to speak the Word of God faithfully. Lord, take away from all of us anything that would distract from the glories of our Redeemer. We want to speak well of Him. We're thinking about the unsearchable riches of our Lord Jesus And therefore, we pray for help from the Spirit of God to understand, to take in. And Lord, that we will be made more like Him. We're thankful we have the mind of Christ given to us through the redemptive work of the Spirit. And tonight we stand upon that redemption ground. And Lord, we're thankful So, hear our prayer tonight and bless us now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You have your Bibles open also in the book of Isaiah, chapter 52. And we're thinking on the words of verse 14. It says, As many were astonished, astonished at thee, For his visage, his appearance, was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. We're finishing the message I started this morning on the passion of the Christ, the sufferings of our Lord, and as we have been going through the life of our Lord, the timing has come down to this very day as we are considering the cross. The passion of Messiah, it is such a prevalent theme running through all of the Bible. It is seen in the Old Testament in a a shadowy sort of a form as we consider all of the sacrifices that were given to be made in the Old Testament, and they were a very clear example by way of shadow radiating out a message. And the message was that the innocent 
would die for the guilty. The one against whom there was no fault and no blame, the animal, the innocent lamb, it would suffer and it would die in the place of the condemned. The emphatic truth that was emphasized over and over to God's people and is brought into the New Testament by way of the interpretation and the expansion of the book of Hebrews, for example. It is that truth of the Lord Jesus, the innocent one, the Lamb of God, standing in our place. And why that was so emphasized and important was this, that the Old Testament Israelite, they knew that they were sinful people, and if they were going to come near to God, to approach to Him in the tabernacle, in the temple, there had to be a way in which they could come close and near to God. And the Lord provided that way by the atoning blood of the animal that had to be spread on the mercy seat. That's the place where God said He would meet with His people. Every man's hand was contaminated. Every priest was contaminated with his own sin. And so very clearly, the Lord told His people that the priest had something first of all to offer. He had to pay for his own sin. And by the way of payment, He would come to offer of the blood of the animal sacrifice. And then after He had offered the animal sacrifice for His own sin, He would then put on the blood for the sins of the nation. And God was reminding the people, you cannot come near Me except it's by blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for our sin. But this is the great news. It is the gospel good news of the cross of our Lord. For though we have nothing to offer unto God, we have nothing to make atonement for for ourselves, but God has provided. He has provided through His only begotten Son to pay the price of our ransom. And the cross we know well, is where that ransom was offered and paid. Maybe, friend, tonight you're without Christ. You're listening online. First time you've tuned in, maybe. We do not know. But the truth of the matter is this, that outside of Christ you have no atonement made. You can't approach to God. You cannot come into His presence. But as you see the Lord Jesus, your Redeemer, and you put your trust in Him, then you will have atonement made before God and you will be able to come into His presence. That's why the cross is all important to you. It's all important to us all. Because where we stand in relation to the cross of Christ, where every single person in this world stands in relation to that, it will determine... Are you going to be in heaven with God forever? Or are you going to be separated from Him in a lost eternity? 
That's why it's so important, friend. Do not ignore. You cannot turn away from it. God has offered His free and saving grace. And if people ignore that offer, there is no other possibility or atonement for sin. If any one of us were to stand before God in our own unforgiven state, we would be cast off and cast away. And so as we think of this message of the Lord's purpose of fulfilling the cross work, it it came at a great price. It came at such a price because His body, His face, His head was so disfigured, so marred more than any man. In the message this morning, we were thinking about the steps that caused the suffering of the Lord before He ever got to Calvary. The anticipation of bearing our sin from all eternity, it was in His mind, in His heart. He knew what was coming. The anguish that He went through of living in a sinful world, having been rejected by His own people, Yes, that was all part of the suffering of the Lord. The anguish of betrayal. The anguish He suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane as He considered the cup of iniquity that was before Him that He must drink. The sins of all His people. He was falsely accused. He suffered twisted justice. And He suffered the unbelievable torture of scourging. But we come tonight to think about the climax of Christ's suffering on the cross. Look at Him, Pilate said. Is your lust for blood not satisfied? I find no fault in this man, but look at Him. Behold the man. He is a mess of blood and spit. But to the amazement of the Roman governor, who was hoping upon hope that they would have chosen Barabbas over Christ to be released, what did he do? He was confronted by these Jewish leaders had stirred up the crowd And they called, free and release Barabbas and crucify Christ. And now Pilate knows that they will not relent. They will not give in. And so he brings out a dish of water in front of all of them. And in a pathetic public display of his innocence, he tries to wash away the guilt of what he is about to do. He knows Christ is innocent. He knows there is no justification in all of the Roman system of of order to condemn a man he knows is innocent. But what is he to do? He thinks in his mind, if he does not give Christ over to them to be crucified, 
All of Jerusalem will be in a terrible riot and revolt. The Roman armies will be brought in. And Pilate himself will end his governing days in shame according to the rule of Caesar. He could not even keep Palestine. And so, he does what every pragmatic politician would do. He made a decision to save his own skin. So he thought. But why would Pilate turn Jesus over to be crucified? You might ask the question, why was Jesus crucified in that form of dying? Why would there not have been some other form of execution? Why would He not, for example, have been thrown to the lions? A person recently suggested to me, for one thing, the animal creation of Christ would not have turned against Him as man did. A true statement. It was the wicked rebellion and rejection of men that demanded this horrible death. Yet where man seeks to do his worst, and he seems to operate outside of God's infinite purpose, there was behind it a divine plan. Because if you go back to the Old Testament time, just as Moses was commanded to lift up the serpent, the fiery serpent, or the scorpion that would be on a pole, he made one out of bronze, He held it up to the people, and all of those Israelites, as a means of the judgment of God that had been bitten by those scorpions and were going to die, many had died, the message went out, look to the serpent on the stick. Look to that image, and all you have to do is look, and you would be saved, you'd be healed. And so, the Lord Jesus tells us that as Moses was, had lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And when Jesus spoke that prophecy, He was saying that was the manner of His death. He was going to be lifted up. And that lifting up meant a Roman crucifixion. Crucifixion, historically, is known to be one of the worst, if not the worst, form of capital punishment, as it inflicts the most pain over the longest time. The victim was stretched and nailed to a stake with a cross beam where the arms and hands would be attached, with a protrusion for his feet so that they could support themselves on the cross. And that was not a mercy. That was to prolong the agony and pain because the natural reaction of human preservation would be 
to support yourself in such a circumstance. That is why the chief priest wanted the legs of the two, of all three of them broken for that matter, because when the legs were broken, no longer could the body be supported, and therefore suffocation would happen very, very quickly. The victims on the cross would suffer from a combination of issues, blood loss, and the extreme pain of every muscle and joint would be stretched with the increasing weakness to support the body, the lungs unable to get oxygen, suffocation was part of the slow death, only it was sped up if the legs would be broken. Each victim of crucifixion would be conscious all the time that there was no escape. There was only death. There was no other option. There was no other out. There was no other way of escaping. They were there, nailed to that place, and death was coming to them. No matter how much they even at some points wished for death, it did not come soon enough. And some languished on the cross in unthinkable pain for a long period of time, hours, and even in some cases, it went into the next day where people suffered on the cross. Think, my friend, tonight of the sheer astonishment of the suffering of Christ. The appearance of the Lord, you see Him on the cross now in your mind, His face, His head, His body, was so much disfigured that He was unrecognizable as a man. His features were so horribly distorted by the punching and the bruising of his face and the slapping that he endured. His face would be swollen now so that his eyes would be literally closed over from that. E.J. Young in his commentary on Isaiah wrote, He no longer resembled a man. His visage was so marred more than any man. This caused such bewilderment to those who witnessed it that the Lord uses a word in Isaiah 52 verse 14 called astonied. Our translators have used that word. It means disturbing and paralyzing astonishment. 
Someone who is struck speechless because of what they are seeing. And the observation of those who were looking on the Lord and thinking, what was going on here? And we noticed in Matthew's Gospel, we read about the soldiers that were looking upon the Lord once they had finished their job. They sat down and they watched Christ there. They looked at Him. And surely the look was one of bewilderment. What had they just done? They heard the words of Jesus when He said and prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He wasn't praying for the forgiveness of the Jewish leaders here. He was praying for those Roman soldiers. They were going about their job, their duty. They did what they were commanded to do. And now they sat down and they were watching the Lord. Was the centurion there as well? Oh yes, he was. That centurion was overseeing the entire thing. He had to be sure that the task of crucifixion was done correctly. And so he was watching all that the soldiers were doing. And we know his response at the end when he looked and said, truly, surely, this is the Son of God. Who revealed that to him? How would this Roman soldier know anything about what Jesus had come to do? But he had heard and he did know that the one that had just been crucified, that was the conversion of that man in a moment. Oh, we often think about the dying thief being the one who was converted at the cross, but don't forget about that centurion. And we know not about those soldiers that crucified the Lord, but I would suggest to you, as Jesus prayed that the Father would forgive them, you will see those soldiers in glory. Because Jesus, His prayers are heard. His prayers, they are answered. F.C. Jennings, in his commentary on Isaiah, he wrote about the verse before us. He said, Something has occurred to disfigure that face. He's looking at it as from the prophecy, the prophet Isaiah. He doesn't fully understand and know what he is writing, but he knows there's something intense. He's writing about Messiah because he goes on to write in Isaiah 53 words that are so, so amazing, so prophetic, so profound. And when he's writing about this man whose face is so marred, Something has occurred to disfigure that face, writes Jennings, so gracious, so winsome to little children and to penitent sinners that not only the wretched men who were blind to His divine dignity, 
for angels who desire to look into these sacred mysteries might well be struck with the deepest marvel that He, their own Creator, should voluntarily endure such vicarious agony. The angels were there watching. Would they not have thought and wondered how could this be unfolding before us? How is it possible that the very One who has created us that we should witness and look upon Him hanging on a tree, suffering and dying, the innocent, the Creator, the Son of God? How could it be? And yet, my dear friends, that was the plan. That was the purpose. But so far in all of the descriptions that we've been giving This morning leading up to the cross, the intense and vicious scourging, and now nailed to a cross. And every one of these expressions that we've been looking at, they have addressed the physical side of this. But friends, we have not even entered into a little bit yet of what it cost the Lord to bear away our sin what that fully and really means, because the physical sufferings were only a picture of the spiritual sufferings of what it was to bear the wrath of God for us. He endured the just, and I emphasize that, the just wrath of the Father for the sins of His people. Think about it. Every sin that you have committed, every sin that I have committed, well, that just is a little scratch of the surface because we then must consider all the sins of all of God's people from the beginning of time and creation all funneled down upon Christ on the cross. How, with every lash of the Roman whip, with every pounding of the nail into His hand, all of those aspects that were part of the physical, but they were equally and much more so a part of the divine wrath of God, upon Him. It all converged there and then. What a catastrophic load of iniquity. What an unfathomable mountain of sin that was laid upon Him. Who can calculate this except for an infinite God? And he did calculate it. And there is not one sin of any of his elect people that was not atoned for by our Lord. There was not something that was left forgotten. Not something that will one day come back to haunt us. No, friend. 
Christ suffered and paid for all my sin, for all your sin. The well-beloved, only-begotten Son of God. And some would wonder, maybe it comes into your mind, I know I deal with it and have addressed it myself and because a flash of thought might be, why did the Father have to do this? Could there not have been another way? Why would God do such a thing to His Son? Was He not cruel in doing this? And as soon as the thought would enter your mind, friend, You must come back to the Scripture and put that thought far from you. God is not some vindictive being who is heartlessly trying to inflict pain upon someone without purpose. Friend, to think such a thought is to completely fail to understand the holy and compassionate and loving God of heaven. It is so much the opposite of the cruelty of the Father to inflict His Son with His wrath, the wrath for sin. For so much did the Father love us. So much did Christ love us that He was willing to bear the just wrath of the broken law. Yes, God said, the soul that sins, it shall die. The broken law must be atoned for. There is no other way around it. And when we can't comprehend why there's no other way around it, We must do all we can do coming back to the Scripture, realizing the justice and holiness and perfection of God that when His law is offended, when it has been broken, it must be fixed. It must be repaired. And the only way it could be fixed and repaired was by the perfect sacrifice of His Son, And so God the Father, so far, friend, from being cruel to His Son, so great was His love toward you and me that that's why He did what He did. So that you and I could be redeemed, bought with a price, brought into glory in heaven. Now, when Jesus had suffered all of this on the cross. The work was complete. The burnt offering had been made and it had been consumed completely. That was the command, you know, from the Old Testament. When the burnt offering was to be brought, it had to be consumed in its entirety. A picture of our Lord. The fulfillment of Calvary. The atonement had now been offered. It had now been made. And there was 
no need of prolonging a spectacle. And so the final word that Jesus spoke, He said, finished. Completed. Done. It is one word in the original. We have it translated, it is finished. He bowed His head and He gave up His spirit. Know this, that the life of Christ was not taken from Him. No more than He could be taken captive in the garden against His will. No, no, our Lord said this. He gave Himself a ransom for many. He said, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. The Lord had to die first, as some have suggested, because the thieves that were there could not die in the presence of the King of life. And in the death of those thieves, you have, my friend, a very clear picture of all humanity. There are only two kinds of people in the world today. Those who die believing in Christ and those who die rejecting Him. And those who die believing in Christ will be in glory with Him. And those who die rejecting the Lord will be in hell without Him. And so there are three crosses on that hill outside Jerusalem. Christ in the center died for sin. The one thief died to his sin. And the other thief died in his sin. Where do you stand tonight, friend? Oh, I know that most of you know Christ. You're saved by His grace. And we rejoice in that together, don't we? But it may be that there's someone here and you're not saved by the grace of God. You have never received Christ as your own Savior. Which one then represents you of those two thieves? Are you believing in Jesus and in Christ? Or are you rejecting Jesus and not believing in Him? You see, we read in Matthew it said that that both thieves cast the same in, in the teeth of Christ. An expression just means that He was the Son of God. If you're that, then come down from the cross and save yourself and save us. And then the Jews said, come down from the cross and we'll believe in you then, which they would not have. But there was a change that occurred at some juncture of the Lord on the cross. And one of those thieves came to realize, no, I am dying here for my, in my own sin. I'm dying because I'm guilty of my sin. And I need to be forgiven. I need to be with Christ. This man 
is being crucified without doing any sin. And he called out to the Lord. And the Lord heard his prayer. And the Lord said to him, Today you'll be with me in paradise. And as he prayed for the forgiveness of those soldiers who were doing what they were doing against their knowledge, and so this thief dying there on that cross was born again of the Spirit of God. The Word of God doesn't give us the graphic details of all these events. For it seems that not to go into it is the Lord's way. He doesn't dramatize. But we are left with the quiet meditation to ponder such abuse, such pain, and all to a a sinless, innocent man. The God-man. The one who suffered. The just one for the unjust And I'll leave with you tonight the final thought. It's the meaning of this all. Because when you're talking to someone about the Gospel, and if you're speaking about the cross and about the life of Jesus and about why He came to do what He would do, sometimes people are going to just wonder, well, what is this all about? I mean, why would God go through all this charade, as some people would say. Why the drama? And of course, they, they say those words and they speak them because they are in their sin and their ignorance. They don't, they don't know the Bible. They don't know the Scripture. We don't condemn people for that, but rather we would pray for them. And we would pray that they would come to an understanding. The meaning of it all, friend, in the meaning of it all is that God had planned salvation from all eternity. And it came down to a point of time in your life when the Spirit of God spoke to you and you were drawn to Christ. It came to that time in my own life when I knelt down beside my bed as a boy of eight years old and I asked the Lord to forgive me and to save me and come into my life. And He heard my prayer that day And He saved me. And today I know that I am in Christ. You know, we all should have died on that cross. We should have all died for our own sin. Of course, we could never have made atonement or escape. It just would have been an eternity without God. But He took my punishment. He took my guilt and my sorrow and He made them His very own. Think about it, friend, tonight. We've gone free and we have this freedom. Of such love we are most unworthy, but of this love we are invited to take freely tonight. And you will see behind me the definition of infinite love. What is that definition? Well, it spells the cross. That's the definition of infinite love, friend, tonight. It is the fact that Christ, 
has redeemed others, sacrificing Himself. And He did that tonight for you, for me. And this friend gives us everlasting hope because the Lord is not on the cross or in a grave tonight. He is alive and has risen from the grave. And He lives in that power of an endless life. He is seated at the right hand of the power on high as He prophesied and told the Jews. And our Lord Jesus is the great victor over death. He has conquered death tonight. And we know that for us, the end of our life, the death of our body going to the ground, is the very beginning of life for us eternally when our spirit shall be with God forevermore. And friend, if you are in Christ tonight, then you have hope. If you are not in the Lord, then you have no hope. You cannot miss this message. You cannot say, it's not for me, it's for somebody else. No, you can be wrong on many, many things in this life, but you cannot be wrong on this message. You can't afford to die without Christ. You cannot afford to go into your grave without knowing that your sins have been forgiven. And tonight, the Lord has given that great gift to us. For God has so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that, my dear friends, is the great blessing of salvation. And that is the meaning of it all. And when we get to glory in eternity, we will be speaking for eternity about all the wonders of our so great salvation. And I pray tonight that God would work deeply in every heart and bring us through to the end unto glory, trusting and walking and praising His holy and great name. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, we pray that this night, as we have thought again upon this most unspeakable gift of so great salvation, dear Lord, work effectually tonight in saving precious souls. Hear our prayer. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Hymn number 390 will conclude our meeting. Jesus has paid it all, all to Him that we owe. Let's stand please to sing.
Well, friend, if the Lord has been speaking to your heart tonight, whether you're in the church here or you're watching online, let me encourage you to speak to me at the door when you're leaving how you can know that Christ belongs to you and that you belong to Him. You can know that He is yours and that you are alive in Him. Friend, if you're online tonight and you have some questions about your soul, then send us an email. Reach out. We will do what we can to help you and to minister the Lord's Word to you. But be sure that you are in the Lord Jesus by faith tonight. Father, we give thanks for your holy word and for the message of life and of truth and of hope. And I pray that as we have received this most gracious gift, that, Lord, we will count it the highest privilege and honor to receive it. Speak, Lord, tonight, we pray. Part us in your fear and with your rich and mighty blessing Take us all to our homes in safety. Bless our homes. Help us all to be a witness and a light in a very dark place. And Lord, give us that the fullness of the Holy Spirit that will enable us. We can't do it by ourselves. Lord, we need that power that is not of us. And so we, we claim that power tonight. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.